anyone not have a copy? The rabbi said, ask him three questions, which only a prophet can answer. Question one, ask him about the rule. Question two, ask him about the great traveler who traveled to the ends of the earth. Question three, ask him about a young man who disappeared of all the debate. The answers came down in Revelation. The answer to question one, ask him about the rule. That answer was placed in Surah Bani Israel, which is Surah number 17. It's also called Surah Al-Islam. But the answers to question two and question three were placed in Surah Al-Kat. Nothing happens by accident in the Quran. There must be a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His wisdom did that. And so we asked last class, in what way is question one different from question two and three? And we found in question one the target of the question rule. When the answer came, the answer was concerning the rule. So the question was direct. But when we went to question two, we found, ask him about the great traveler who traveled to the two ends of the earth. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had answered the question, journey to the west and then journey to the east, he went on to describe the third journey. And in that third journey, the subject of Yajuj and Majuj emerged. One of the major signs of the last age of Qiyamah. A subject which only a prophet could know. And so we came to the conclusion that the target of the question was concealed. The real target of the question was God and Magad, but it was conceived. And so question two differs from question one. In that, it is conceived. In question three, since question three was answered also in Surah Tulkat, and question two is answered in Surah Al-Kaf. We now ask, well, what is the difference between question three and question one? If the difference between two and one is that in two, the real target of the question is concealed, 
Whereas if one, the target of the question is revealed, we come to the conclusion that in three as well, the real target of the question is perceived. What is the real target of the question? We don't know as yet. So this is the answer to this. In what way is question one different from question two and three? In question one, the target of the question is clear and direct. But in two and three, it is conceived. Now comes the second matter that we discussed in the last class. When Allah answered the first question, his way of responding was, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ And they questioned thee, O Muhammad, alayhi salatu islam, about the rule. They, or they. Obviously, you cannot deal with this subject without going into the circumstances of the revelation. They being the rabbis. And he identifies the question, the rope, and the question be concerning the rope. When he answers question two, he uses the same method. This is in Surah Al-Kaf, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنْ ذِلْقَرْنَيْنِ And they question thee about Zulkarnayn, the great traveler. So the method of answering is the same. Confirming the question, confirming who are those who are questioning, and then they answer it. So there's a similarity now between one and two. But when we come to number three, Allah does not say, and they question me concerning the young man in the field. No. That is omit omitted. And we say nothing happens in the Quran by accident. There must be a reason why it is omitted. And they question thee concerning the young man in the field. In what way, therefore? are one and two different from three? The answer that we gave yesterday was Allah's But then Allah answered question one directly. You want to know about the rope? This is the rope. He answered question two even though the target was conceived. He brought it out. You want to know about Gog and Magog? This is Gog and Magog. But in question three, the target is concealed and he chooses not to reveal it. This is the difference. One and two and number three. So he left them guessing. What then is the target of question three? That's our question. A subject which only a prophet would know. No one else. We use analogical reasoning. 
since in question two, it was one of the signs of the last of Kiyama, then in question three, it should also be one of the signs of Kiyama. Then we got confirmation that this is correct. But the Prophet he explained, recite Surah Dukkat, the first ten ayat of protection from the fitna of the And that is how we were able to come to the conclusion that the rabbis wanted to know whether Nabi Muhammad knew about Gog and Magog, knew about Dajjal, and knew about that tricky question the room. We explained to you why it was tricky. You don't need to repeat. Having done that in the last class is a very important reasoning. We now, in today's class, give you an introduction to Dajjal. Who is Dajjal? The Prophet described him as Al Masih al Dajjal. Dajjal, who will impersonate Al Masih, the Messiah. And so he's called the false Messiah, the great pretender. The Christians call him the Antichrist. Since he has to impersonate the Messiah, we have to ask, why is Allah doing this? And secondly, what does he have to do in order to impersonate the Messiah? And thirdly, what is his modus operandi? What is his method? How does he impersonate the Messiah? What are his tools and equipment? To answer the first question, why does he have to impersonate the Messiah? Well, that's easy for us because we know that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Messiah, some of the Badu Israel believed in him. But the rabbis, the establishment, rejected him. They said he could be the Messiah because of another thing from Abu Bilamihada, he's a bastard. And a bastard cannot be the Messiah. We have a lecture on this subject coming up, inshallah, on the 21st of March, the week of the dead, an Islamic view of the return of Nabi Isa alayhi salam. The lecture was scheduled to be at the Darul Hanan in Ravinsa. Unfortunately, those who were waiting war on the Sheikh of Islam have now extended the war to me as well. So, we are being denied the use of that uh, facility. But um, we try today, the people who control that facility are very angry over what it means to take it in. So, there's still a possibility that we can have that. Uh, but if not, we are looking to get another place in Shabbat. But we are accustomed to this around the world. When they close a door, Allah opens another door. Yes. So when that lecture takes place, 
an Islamic view of the return of Nabi Isa Islam. We will read in detail what does the Quran say about the of the last five hours. That's what the movie is about. The last twelve hours in the life of Jesus, Al Islam, where the Quran speaks of the subject. <coughs> and it is like in fact that chapter of the book gives it and detail. You can now declare, I am the Messiah. And he can rub his hands and declare, mission accomplished. This then is what the God has to do in order to successfully impersonate the Messiah. Oh, one more thing we can add. Mine, Amata. We will have to destroy the present Muslim. Must be the last one. And you have to rebuild another temple. And can the Jews believe that this is the temple of Solomon? Which is now being restored. But you cannot have the Islamic State of Israel, but as far as the Jews are concerned, you cannot have the State of Israel without a temple. So, four things the Jal has to do in order to successfully impersonate the Messiah and rule the world. Number one, he'd have to liberate the Holy Land for the Jews. Number two, he'd have to cause the Jews to return to the Holy Land to reclaim it as their own. Number three, he'd have to restore his day of Israel in the Holy Land. And the Jews to believe that this is the Israel of all which have been restored. And number four, we have to call that state of Israel to become the ruling state in the world. Then he will have to himself appear to rule the world from Jerusalem. But a rule which will appear to be eternal. Nabi Muhammad explained that the Dajjal when he appears will be a human being. He'll be born of Jewish parents who had never had any children previously, the first child. He will grow up as a Jewish boy, grow up to be a young man, powerfully built with curly hair. He also said something about his eyes. He said, every prophet has warned his people about the job. And Nuh, alayhi salam, the prophet Noah, warned his people about the job. But I am going to tell you something, said Nabi Muhammad I am going to tell you something about him which no one has said before me. So this is information of the absolutely greatest importance and it is saved for the very last because no profit after this. What is this information? The child sees with one eye his left eye. He's blind in the right eye. 
which looks like a bulging grid. But your Lord is not one eye. Between his eyes, on his forehead, is written the word Kafir. Kafir. And every hookman will be able to read it. Somebody move the doctor. Kafir. Kaf. Ba. Ba. Between his eyes, on his forehead, is written the word Kafir, disbeliever. And every mu'min will be able to read it. Who is the mu'min? Answer? The one whose Islam has entered the heart. That's the mu'min. When he speaks, it's not just words and words and words and words and words. No. It has entered the heart now is the mu'min. Every mu'min will be able to read it. Whether the mu'min is kaatib, illiterate, can read and write, or ghayru kaatib, illiterate, cannot read and write. In another class, we're going to interpret this hadith, inshallah, quite some detail. <coughs> but for now, let us be content to point out that what we have here is something called religious symbolism. We're not actually looking for someone with one eye literally. No. The left eye symbolizes external vision. The right eye symbolizes internal vision. Because the Quran points out that the heart can see, and the heart can hear, and the heart can understand. The Quran points us out. So the Quran teaches that we have two means of seeing. One with our external eyes, and the other with our internal eyes. This is in the Quran in many places, many places. So the left eye symbolizes external sight. So you can see. The right eye is blind, so it symbolizes internal blindness. And therefore, knowledge comes only from external observation and rational inquiry and experimentation. Knowledge does not come from any other source. If it comes from any other source, it will not be recognized as knowledge. It will be declared to, some, to be something that should be sent to a place in Orlando called Disneyland. <laughs> and so there ain't no such thing as revealing knowledge. The sacred scriptures have no sacredness about them. 
This is a branch of knowledge called epistemology, it's a big word. The branch of knowledge which studies knowledge. The world of Dajjal, the world that Dajjal creates, is a world which will embrace an epistemology that knowledge comes only from external sources. The foundation of religion is belief in a world you can't see. A world which cannot be observed with your external observation. But you must believe in it. So the minute you absorb and you accept and you embrace the jazz epistemology, that's the end of religion. Religion is finished. It has no foundation left on it. This then is a brief description of the job. The Prophet describes some of his methodology, how he will operate in order to achieve this fabulous feat of one man eventually ruling the whole world. Among the things that he says about the jar is that he has a, if excuse my language, a PhD in this section. Uh, a PhD in deception. He comes with two things, a river and a fire. Said the Prophet of Islam. This is the language of prophets. Simple words, profound statement. He comes with two things, a river and a fire. What is river? is a fire. And his fire is the cool waters of a river. The river of course symbolizes heaven and the fire symbolizes hell. Whoever falls in his river will have his load of sins increased. And whoever falls in his fire will have his load of sins decreased. In other words, the child takes the road to heaven and makes it look like the road to hell. The fire. And he takes the road to hell and he makes it look like the road to heaven. The river. In other words, appearance and reality are completely and totally different from each other whenever the jar strikes. What it being is will be quite different from what it appears to be. And those who formulate judgment based only on the left eye, external observation, rational inquiry, experimentation. Those who formulate judgment based only on external observation will be able to analyze only the world of appearances and they will always be deceived. The only one who can penetrate the reality with the jar attacks to see things 
as they are, not as they appear to be on CNN and the New York Times. The only one who will be able to penetrate the reality of things when the jhana attacks is the one who sees not only with the left eye, external observation, but also with the right eye, namely internal, intuitive, spiritual insight, which is something that only the believer has. Amongst the weapons that he uses is shirk. Every time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Ibrahim alayhi salam, the one from whom religion came, of Ibrahim alayhi salam, he always says, that there is no shirk in the religion of Ibrahim alayhi The minute we embrace the ship, we've lost the sun. We're only whistling in the wind. We're whistling in top of mud. The minute we embrace ship, the most overt form of ship, of course, is to worship an idol or to worship a man instead of God, Allah. But the Prophet warned that when the child strikes with ship, the anger is so plain and clear that you could easily recognize it. It would be very difficult to recognize that ship when the child strikes you with ship. How difficult, Yasi? How difficult would it be? Uh-huh. Okay. No. Someone else? Yes, yes, go ahead. Yes, correct. <laughs> the, the messenger of Allah said, when the jar strikes you with shirk, it will be as difficult to see and recognize that shirk as it would be to recognize a black ant on a black stone on a dark night. Did you hear that? A black ant on a black stone on a dark night. Who can see such an ant? Except the one who has a flashlight. Huh? You need light. You can forget that light with a, with a PhD for beautiful eyes. No. The light that you need to be able to recognize the shirk when the child attacks is a light which comes only from Allah. Noor from Allah. Noor is not a fellow living as Quran. Noor means lightness. Light. Allah Nur Samawati Allah is the Noor of the heavens and the earth. Allah guides to his Noor whomsoever Allah wishes to guide. Our elders knew this something very well. And we live in an age today when knowledge is leaving, imparting us 
So what was known very well by our elders in Trinidad is being lost. But no, the Prophet said, alayhi salatu wasalam, a hadith of Mawlana Ansari is very fond of quoting. Ittaku firasat al-mu'min. Fear. Fear the firasat. The awesome internal intuitive spiritual insight and wisdom. Fear the firasat of the mu'min. The mu'min, the one who Islam has entered the heart. فَإِنَّهُ يَمْزُرُ بِالنُورِ اللَّهِ Because when he sees, he sees with the nur of Allah. The jahl attacks not only with shirk, that shirk is today all around us. You should recite Surah Al-Kam every Friday. Friday, only time we use the word Friday. With shirk. <laughs> yeah, in shirk. All the days of the week like that. And all the months of the year, like that. just check it out in your encyclopedia, you see for yourself. Friday is the day of Fry, Fry is the Scandinavian goddess. It was Hanuman day, then you everybody will recognize you. Yeah, call it Hanuman day, man. Why do you call it Hanuman day? You call it Friday. Friday is the Scandinavian goddess. This is why we always have to be making the law. Oh, Allah, kindly forgive us the shirk that we commit knowingly or unknowingly. Kindly forgive us. The shirk is present in the political system. But around the world today, no longer does the political system recognize Allah's sovereignty. That's not. It used to be there. The Hindus had it, the Christians had it, the Jews had it, the Muslims had it. Everybody had it. A political system would recognize sovereignty about from beyond the world. And today is gone, a new secular age has come, which recognizes no sovereignty beyond the sovereignty of the state. Allah's authority is no longer recognized as supreme, the, sovereignty, the authority of the state is supreme. Allah's law is no longer recognized as the supreme law. The law of the state is the supreme law. Allah can make something halal, the state can make it haram. Allah can make something haram, the state can legalize it and make it halal. All of this is true. But very few are there who can see and recognize the truth. The Prophet was now warned that the age of the Dal would be the age of Katratu Riba. Riba taking control of the economy around the world in the age of the Dajjal, that's already with us. The Prophet spoke about Dajjal and he said that the last people to come out with Dajjal will be women. The last people to come out to the jail will be women. The last people to come out in the jail will be women. And a man would have to return to his home and tie down his wife and sister and daughter to protect and preserve them from the jail, indicating that they be under a spell, brainwashed. You could warn them, you don't want them, they make no difference, like water falling on the back of a duck. 
got to use permissive authority. Permissive authority on them to be able to protect them from being seduced by the job. That hadith is to be fulfilled in the modern feminist revolution. There are several hadiths of the Dajjal concerning the Dajjal which shows a link with the scientific, with continuing scientific revolution. Do not finish it. In fact, there are hadiths on the basis of which we can predict what's coming in the world of science tomorrow. Dajjal is going to ride on a donkey. The donkey will travel as fast as the clouds. The donkey will have his ears stretched out wide. For those who are incapable of sourcing knowledge other than that which is literal, that is, which is observation, for such people, they insist that we got away from that flying donkey. It is not our intention to speak disparagingly about them or to make fun of them. That's not our intention. But there are lots and lots and lots of scholars today who are imprisoned in that prison of being incapable of understanding anything else except that which is literally presented. And hence incapable of grappling with the subject of religious symbolism. Incapable. You and I can easily recognize that flying donkey. Travel. It represents the what do you call a shuttle 
anybody uh, the Prophet who has been talking about the job for a few months now suddenly suspects a Jewish boy to be the job. The boy's name is Ibn Sayyad. So the Prophet takes Omar with him to go and question this young man. He goes and questions him. And the young man is rather impertinent in his replies. We don't have the time to give you the conversation. Omar is quite angry. He a messenger of Allah. Give me permission, I'll cut off his head. Today, ex-president guardian was he the terrorist. Oh, messenger of Allah, give me permission, I'll cut off his head. This is Omar. Islam don't come. Islam don't come from the prophet we have today. Islam comes from Allah and the messenger. And he's the companion of the prophet of Islam. Oh, messenger of Allah, give me permission, I'll cut off his head. The prophet replied and said, No, Omar. Now listen carefully. If he is the devil, you cannot kill him. Even Omar? Huh? As powerful? The prophet said about Omar, Ida salaka fajjan salaka shaitan fajjan after when when Omar walks on one side of your hood, Shaitan is the other side. It is Omar. No, Omar, if he is the child, you cannot kill him. And if he is not the child, it will be simple. Indicating, indicating that the possibility exists that he can be the child. Indicating that the possibility exists that he can be the child. But that possibility cannot exist unless the child is released. And so what this event is tailored and programmed to convey to us is the news of the release of the child which took place in the lifetime of the Prophet If the Dajjal has been released and he is now commencing his mission to impersonate the Messiah and to eventually rule the world from Jerusalem the way George Bush is ruling from Washington. Where is he? Now comes the Hadith which is the crucially important Hadith, so important that I got a Malay artist a cover of this book based on that hadith. You see three circles on the cover of it. Here's the hadith. When the child is released, he will live on earth for 40 days. We took up the subject earlier. You remember the first masjid and the second masjid that there were 40 years in between? Remember? I was a wait a minute now, but history we know is a couple thousand years, not forty years. And we realize that there are different dimensions of time. So we don't take this literally. 
Vrindajan is released, he'll live on earth for 40 days. One day like a year, one day like a month, one day like a week, and the rest of his days like your days. Like your days. No, I put it in practice. Yaumun Kasanati, a day which will be like a year. Yaumun Kashar, a day which will be like a month. Yaumun Kajumaa, a day which will be like a week. Wasailu ayyamihika ayyamikum, and all his days like your days, meaning all the rest of his days like your days. Now when his day is like our day, he will be in our dimension of time. Okay? So we'll be able to see it. You'll be a young man, you'll be a Jew, you'll be a young man, probably early years and Where will he be on earth at that time? Jerusalem. Ruling the world from Jerusalem. That's where he'll be on earth. Where will he be on earth when he is in a day which is like a year and a day like a month and a day like a week? This, I believe, is the most important point brought out in this For the first time ever, it brought out in this When he is in a day like a year, he is not in our dimension of time, so we can't see it. Similarly with a day like a month and a day like a week. We can't see him. Bodies on earth. Are there angels here? In this room? Of course. Can we see that? No. Can an angel appear in a form that we can see the angel? Yes. Famous example? Ibrahim al Islam coming to the human being. Are there jinn here? Plenty of Washington. <laughs> Can we see her? Can we see her? No. Can a jinn appear in our world if we can see the jinn? Which one? Iblis. Iblis appeared as an old man by walking sick, remember? If you don't remember, you don't go to do. Similarly, the child is in a world that we can't see him, but he's here. And at the last stage of his mission, when his day will be like our day, he will enter into our world, we'll be able to see him. Where will he be when he's released in a day which is like a year? Answer is very simple, he has to be on that island. When he's released in a day which is like a year, he's got to be in that island, which is about one month's journey by sea from the Arab world, which conceals his true identity. Outside it looks as one thing, but inside is something else, and which has a PhD in spying and espionage. Which island is it? Don't let me think about it. Every time I ask this question in Malaysia, most answer Singapore. <laughs> which answer? Which island is it? My answer. This is my answer. 
And anyone is free to differ with me and say I'm wrong. But I always say, if you say I'm wrong, you're not allowed to leave the wall. If I'm wrong, you could tell me what's the right answer. And you could give me the evidence to support your answer. It is from this island that the child must proceed with his mission to liberate the Holy Land, to bring the Jews back to the Holy Land, to restore the state of Israel, and then to call that Israel to become the ruling state of the world from this island. Which island is it? My answer. And I'm only giving you a small amount of evidence. Much, much more. In 1917, October 1917, it is the British government which issued the Balfour Declaration. That it is the intention of the British government to work for the establishment of a Jewish national home in the Holy Land. Between nine, in December 1917, it is the British army led by a British general, Allenby, defeats the Turkish army, liberates the Holy Land. Between 1917 and 1948, Britain has the mandate power over the Holy Land conferred by the League of Nations. And during that period of time, the Jews are allowed to return, European Jews. In 1948, Britain acts as a midwife for the baby to be born. The state of Israel. And so I have come to the conclusion that the island in the Hadith of Tamim Hadari is Britain. And so when the child is in India, which is like the year, Britain is his headquarters. And I noted that he who wants to rule the world eventually transforms Britain into the ruling state of the world. Suddenly and mysteriously, Britain becomes the ruling state of the world. I'm running out of time. In the First World War, we noticed the transformation, the transfer of power from one ruling state to a second. The United States of America replaces Britain becomes the second ruling state in the world. The United States of America maintains the strangest and most mysterious and most mystifying and most inexplicable relationship with Israel. Don't bother to attempt to explain it. the U.S.-Israeli relationship using any tools of political analysis. There is only one man who can explain the relationship between the United States of America and Israel. And that man is Nabi Muhammad Nobody has to do it. What is the explanation? The child is now in a day which is like a man. And so we have a second ruling state. The most important point that comes out of this book, Jerusalem in the Quran, is that we are now living at that moment in time when a day which is like a month is coming to an end. And a day which is like a week is about to commence. Namely, stage three of the mission of the job. When a day which is like a month comes to an end, 
then the United States of America will no longer be the ruling state. A third state will have to be the new ruling state. Which will it be? Don't tell me Japan. Don't tell me China. Huh? UWI can't answer it. The think tanks in Washington cannot answer this. Only those who study at the feet of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, only they can say that the new ruling state of the world is going to be the state of Israel. Only they can say. When Israel becomes the ruling state in the world, then the Jal will have moved to a day which is like a week. How long will a day like a week last? I got this question from Montreal. The Catholic scholar in Montreal. We can only make a guess. We cannot speak with precision. Maybe about 30, 40 years, Israel will be the ruling state in the world. And at the end of that time, the Jal now enters into a day which is like our day. At that time, Imam Mahdi also emerges. At that time, Nabi Isa returns. And so those who are young may live to see this. May live to see it. Yes. We are that close now to the end of it. When Nabi Isa returns, of course, he will kill the Jal. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy God and Magog and that will be the end of the ruling people who are ruling the world. I would like you to read the chapter in the book. Remember, if you do not have a copy and you want to buy a copy, the price is $60. If you have difficulty in paying the $60, we will give you a discount, inshallah. If you cannot afford to buy the book and you just want to read, please do keep it very clean so that when you return the book, we can use it to be sold to others. Rabbana kabal min na'ina kaita samira'i wa jawa'i na'ya mula na'ina kaita wa'ala'i. Da'ala'i wa'ala'i 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 wa'ala